You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, Joe's babies, and welcome to Poker in the Air. I am not Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. I am Matt Brown, joined by Joe's work wife, far more consistent in his appearances, James Hartigan. Hello, Matthew. This is a strange experience, isn't this, it? This is a very strange experience. In a nutshell, we don't know where Joe is. So anyway, we're closing in on the summer vacation or holiday, uh, but the good news is there's plenty of WSOP news to bring to you. Joe has been in Vegas and LA and America I mean, he could be anywhere right now. We, we just don't know. We've got people looking for him. In all seriousness, we do hope he's okay. But let's be honest, there's a 90% chance that he's just done something really dumb. We're hoping that it's all good and he's just messed up. Another man who's been out in Vegas is the man, the myth, the legend, Daniel Negrano. And he is our guest on today's show. He'll be talking to us about his vlogs and playing in the World Series of Poker. I also got to do some playing. I finally got to play some Badoogie. I have been going on about this game for about five years now. <laughs> I finally got to play some. Oh, is this part of uh, Monday Nights with Matt? Monday Night with Matt. We finally got the Poker School Online gang playing Badoogie. I also got this week to play something called Do 7 Triple Draw, whatever the fuck that is. I'm still trying to work it out, to be honest. Uh, I've lost so much money playing that game. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, you should tune in. You could learn an awful amount. Um, also, we are finally taking Poker in the Ears to the Danger Zone. Danger Zone! Good job. As we go up against Jack McCurdy and we hit him in the face with some Top Gun trivia. Can I just ask, do we have time to get the superfan jingle revoiced with Mike? No, apparently we don't. We'll, we'll add a little bit. We'll work around it. We'll, we'll do it on the fly. And the truth of it is, I'm always concerned in these spots. Did Joe bother to go back and watch it? But to be honest, Joe, having maybe watched it or not recently, versus James, I've got a feeling even if you'd never seen the film, you're probably going to give the super fan a better run for his money than Joe would. It's a race. <laughs> <laughs> um, it has been a lot of movie chat in recent weeks. Now, part of that is down to the fact that we had our movie retrospective specials. We looked at The Sting. Matt saw it for the first time. We went back and looked at Casino Royale, the classic poker-themed Bond movie. Um, James Wynn tweets to say, Thanks for your TV slash film suggestions. The Sting was great. Win It All was good. And the OA was good. But I didn't get the ending. I don't really know what to say about that. I mean, I think there are some there are some program stroke films where not getting it, either you're thick or it's one of those films where you're not really meant to get it. There's no definite end. Like there's a definite end to A Few Good Men. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no way to read anything into that other than what happens. But I think there are some films where it's kind of good to come out and go, wow, I wonder like if this or that or whatever. I think it says a lot about an individual, whether you actually want there to be certainty and a definitive narrative end to the story or whether you want it to be left open where your own interpretation kind of can be enforced on the material and draw your own conclusions and that's what i liked about this series yeah. one of the oa on netflix by the way um that you could interpret it a number of different ways i do i like i like leaving it to your imagination when the film fades out and you go oh my god we're not going to find out if yeah da -da 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 -da. it's like I don't mind that. I don't need everything to be wrapped up so sweetly. 
Uh, Michael was a great fan of last week's show. Great discussion. Casino Royale is easily my favourite Bond movie. Uh, does Matt have a cousin that deals poker in Montenegro? <laughs> it's another bad lookalike, <laughs> as Michael draws a comparison between the dealer in Casino Royale and my colleague and friend Matt Brown. Wasn't he legit? Didn't, didn't we know that dealer from the circuit? We... It's funny, a few years back, Joe and I were on the floor at the Spielbank Berlin and we were shooting a link for the TV shows. And Joe went, it's the dealer from Casino Royale. And he was a floor guy at wow. uh, the EPT Berlin back in like 2012. So wow. I assume he still works in that part of the world in Europe uh, as a floor guy and as a dealer. How, how many times would you say a day he gets tipped by a chip <laughs> with no cash value from the tournament? <laughs> it's just like... He for must just sake. have cupboards full of it going, oh, this is still hilarious. For his sake, I hope never. Uh, Jules Redding, another former superfan on this show, he tweets, I haven't watched Casino Royale since learning poker properly. The discussion on the podcast has made me want to revisit. I remember seeing it in the cinema and the older gentleman next to me muttering expletives because this isn't proper Bond. <laughs> um, by the way, anyone who says that isn't proper Bond isn't a proper Bond fan because, again, it all comes back to Ian Fleming. It all comes back to the books. It all comes back to the original character. Um, unfortunately, all I've watched in the last seven days, on the recommendation, by the way, of two of our listeners, yes, Pete Blow, yes, Thomas Shevlin, <laughs> I'm pointing my finger at you, is the new series Riviera, which is a Sky original production that's been on Sky Atlantic. I think they did it as one of their box sets where all the episodes go up at once and yeah. you can just download it. Um I got two and a half episodes into it before realising this is a bit shit and bailing. <laughs> to be fair, Pete Blow then came back to me and went, do you know what? It goes off the rails really quickly. Oh, really? Now, Pete thought it was really good at the start and then shit at the ending. I actually thought the beginning showed promise, but I thought the script was weak, the performances were appalling, and it was just like a really expensive version of The Bold and the Beautiful. Who, like, who's, in, who's in it? Help me out. I think I'm seeing trailers. Julia Styles. Right, she's okay. the she's the lead. Uh, Adrian Lester, who I haven't seen for an eternity, and ironically, I think we referenced Hustle when we discussed the Sting. Um, he was in the he's in the film, uh, the TV show as well. Uh, Anthony Paglia has a small role. Ultimately, I'm sorry. It's the only the only interesting thing about it is being set on the French Riviera. There are some scenes filmed in Monte Carlo, oh. and obviously, a part of the world we know very well. And there's a scene in the second episode where Julia Stiles goes to that apartment building, the one that is right between the Meridian and the Monte Carlo Bay that we walk past every single day. And I think Joe actually walked into on our last night in Monte Carlo, if you remember that story correctly. Yeah, I do remember that story. I don't think either of us should retell that story. I very rarely bail on stuff, especially I'm willing to give things normally a good three or four episodes. Yeah. But two and a half episodes and I'm like, life is too short. Well, I've got you, better call Saul to watch. I've got Twin Peaks yeah. to watch. No, I'm, I'm out. You've I'm probably done. just saved me a bit of time, so I thank you for that. Something I finally got around to watching was John Wick 2. Still haven't seen it. Ah, oh, the thing is, I can tell you my thoughts on it without really spoiling anything, because my fear was that it's a bit like when the first Matrix came out, which I guess is in my head because of Keanu, but is that it was such a, a, a bolt out of the blue, and it was so awesome. And then I thought, but if I break down the things that I thought made the first one awesome yeah is wow where do we go from here and the beautiful thing i realize is we don't have to go anywhere we just do it again give them a reason to be pissed off and after someone give them loads of weapons you'll love the fact that there's now like a q like character played by peter saravanovich oh who, excellent who i'm a big fan of and it's totally comic book it it just stands out completely but it doesn't stop the film at all and there's lots of guns lots of double taps lots of i don't know these 
I don't know where they're buying these cartridges of guns, but they get a lot of bullets in there, I've got to be honest, as much as he changes the cartridges. And it's just a real rollicking ride, and every time a dog appears on the screen, you kind of think, oh, oh no. don't kill it, don't kill it. But actually, there's no dog deaths in this one, which is a bonus for me and my household. That's a good spoiler alert. That's almost setting you up for the fact you don't have to worry about the animals in this no, one. No, that's absolutely fine. Plenty of dead humans... Plenty of headshots, nah. but fortunately the dogs survive. But if you haven't seen it and are kind of dragging your heels, I would definitely go and see no, it. It's I, just a lot of fun. I do want to see it, and as as, as we know, we tried to make a date with Griffin Benger to see it here in London, but it never worked out. More controversially, and I think I'm going to face a little bit more resistance on this particular one, is that I accidentally ran into Robocop the remake. Which is bizarre, because last night I did exactly the same. Switched on the TV, ready to watch uh, John Oliver that I'd recorded from the night before, and stumbled upon five minutes of Robocop the reboot on film four. And I watched five minutes. I wish my eyes could unsee, Matt. (laughs) It's fucking horrible. Right, let me. But what did you actually see? What happened in the minutes that you he saw? He was basically out on some podium and like identified some criminal in the crowd, and then flew across the crowd and shot this guy. And Gary Oldman was involved, and Samuel L. Jackson was on a screen, and it was just shit. Right. Well, the I, first and foremost, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but what I found was there was actually more to like about it than I remembered. I hate the Samuel L. Jackson mechanic. I don't think that works at all. And Gary Oldman, actually, who's one of my sort of favourite actors, is very, very, very weak. But it's Michael Keaton, who I've always loved, being quite sort of mean and sneery and very similar to the character he plays in the more recent The Founder, the McDonald's story, right. which I similarly liked because I kind of like him just being a little bit dark and twisted and a bit dodgy. Um, but there were some cool things because what year was the original Robocop? 1987. So there's no internet, there's not CC, the world isn't connected. And I just like the idea where they go, there's this individual and he's connected to everything. So he's got all of the police database, all the criminals. He can immediately access all of the CCTVs in every shop and every... You know the way we had that controversial moment on last week's podcast where Joe started heaping praise on La La Land? Yeah, is this where I'm going? I'm I'm, I'm getting this feeling that like, you're you're offending my sensibilities. Now, granted, I haven't seen the complete movie. The problem is RoboCop is a movie that is so dear to my heart. It I just it. annoys me and upsets me there even is a new version of I, it. I, I get what you mean, but there are a couple of cool bits. And he kind of has got a cool suit. When they put him in the black suit with the kind of the Cylon red and he's in a dark warehouse having a shootout, there were some bits where I thought, do you know what? I can't help but go, stop spoiling RoboCop. But on its own, there's some stuff in it to not mind. I also kind of like the idea in this one. They don't pretend that Alex Murphy is dead. They're very much, he's alive and here he is. Right. And let me introduce you to your kid and your wife. And there's a really good body horror moment where they kind of, he goes, show me how much of me is left. And there's basically just some lungs in his head and one hand. And it's pretty horrific. Anyway, I just thought I'd stick up for it because I watched it by accident expecting the original one. And I think if you've been put off it, take a little look. Don't tell James but you can tell me on Twitter. I go back to my original point. Life is too short to watch bad TV and movies. Uh, On that bombshell, Matthew, let's do some poker news. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Is News. 
And once again, we find ourselves focusing on the World Series of Poker, which continues, I think it runs for pretty much another month, runs into July. It's ridiculous. Well, the main event is coming up, of course, but all the side events, all the preliminary events are still running. I wanted to highlight a couple of results. The first, because it involves a player who we know from our tour, Christopher Frank, a German player who was involved in one of the biggest hands we've ever seen on our tour. That hand was in Monte Carlo in 2015, which was a three-way all-in where Juan Manuel Pastor had aces, Christopher Frank had kings, Adrian Mateos had queens, and Hadi Alazmar proudly folded jacks. <laughs> I had jacks, everyone. I folded jacks. Good old Hadi. And blessing. poor Christopher Frank was one of the two players KO'd when Adrian Mateos hit a queen on the turn. And so it's always nice when you see someone suffer adversity like that to then win a poker tournament. Yeah. And he won event 33, which was one of the $1,500 No Limit Hold'em events. The other winner I wanted to highlight was Ben Yu, because he took down the $10,000 Deuce to Seven Triple Draw Low Ball Championship. And knowing that you were going to talk about this format later in the show, Matt, I wanted to mention Triple Draw Low Ball, um, a game which I came across in Super System 2. Do you remember that was published in yeah. 2005? Yeah, yeah. And Daniel Negreanu... Coming up on the show. Oh my God. He wrote the chapter on Triple Draw Lowball, which for some unknown reason I read, got really enthusiastic about this game, thought that I was now an expert because Daniel Negroni has taught me all I need to know about Deuce to Seven Triple Draw, <laughs> and discovered that when you play this game no limit, you can lose yeah. a fuck of a lot of money. Yeah, we'll talk about it later on, but I very, very, very deliberately stuck to the limit version of the game. We'll come to that later on. Um, actually, I stand corrected. There is one other winner we should highlight before we move on, and that gentleman is David Buck. He won a World Series bracelet back in 2009. He won his second uh, a few days ago when he took down the $1,500 Dealer's Choice six-handed event, and then 10 days later won his third. So just to be clear, this guy's won two bracelets at this year's World Series of Poker in the space of 10 days. He won the 10K Horse Championship, and this is a big event. This is one that you know, there's a lot of skill in this game. Yeah, yeah. And this is one where you expect the pros to come out on top. So congratulations to David Buck. Three World Series bracelets now. Two of them won this summer. Now, it seems every year, Matt, that with the World Series of Poker, there are controversies. Remember mm -hmm. last year, there was the whole debate about William Kasuf during the main event. Yeah, yeah. This year, there's been a controversial angle shoot which occurred in a hand against Matt Glantz. There's also been a lot of complaints about marked cards. But before we get into it because ultimately we're not there let's talk to someone who is at the world series there's so much to talk to about with this week's guest he's playing the world series he's vlogging about the world series he appears on this show at least once a year that's right it's time for the annual daniel slot on poker in the years as we welcome back to the podcast kid poker himself daniel negrano <laughs> That round of applause, Daniel, just for you. <laughs> How many people you got over there? <laughs> it's filmed It's filmed in front of a live studio audience just for the atmosphere. Don't give us ideas, Matt. Um, Daniel, thank you for joining us. I always worry about disturbing you during the World Series of Poker, which is a time which I understand, obviously, you're very focused, understand to be very busy playing hour after hour of poker. But then, of course, you've been spending extra time putting out all these vlogs. What's up with that? Well, first of all, the time thing works for me during the World Series because I get home at 2 or 3, which works since we're across the pond. But the vlogs, that was a plan that we put in place uh, probably a month or two before the World Series and thought this would be really fun to give people a glimpse at what it's like to grind 
the way that I do every day at the World Series of Poker. So they've been well received. I've had a lot of fun with them. Don't get me wrong. I think they're great. I'm just surprised you agreed to do them because I would have thought if you are as you made clear, gunning for World Series of Poker Player of the Year, and you are entering all these big buy-in events, that you really want, wouldn't want to have the distraction, I guess, of making video content every day. Well, that was one of the big concerns like going in with where everybody was on board with the same thing. We don't want to distract Danny. We want to do it as seamlessly as possible so that you know it doesn't take any of my attention away. And, and it really works well. I don't do any of the editing. We have an editor. Christian handles music. Um, you know, we have shots that are intercut with B-roll. I don't do any of that. All I do occasionally when I see Phil Helmuth say something stupid, I get my cell phone out and I try to film it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I see most recently it's uh, Terence Chan who's been on the receiving end of one of Mr. Helmuth's rants. Yeah, Helmuth was in rare form today. Uh, as you know, it was really crazy. It was actually one of the craziest final two tables I've ever seen with Martin who plays the high rollers and is very, very well known to be slow. Sean Deeb, Joe McKeon, I mean, myself, you just had a rambunctious group of people all playing in the same vicinity, and it was really strange. <laughs> How has the World Series been for you so far? And obviously, I know the answer to this question, but for people who haven't been following, t talk us through some of your deep runs and big results so far. Yeah, well, this is by far the best start I've ever had in the history of me going to the World Series of Poker. I'm on the verge right now of going to my fourth final table tomorrow. Uh, with 14 left, I'm sitting in sixth place in chips, and uh, I just came. I mean, I feel like I haven't gone two days without a cash. I've got seven caches now, a second, a third, and a sixth, a fifteenth, a sixty-seventh, and uh, and you know a couple small ones here and there. But I haven't been able to win the bracelet. But I put myself in a lot of good situations in you know a lot of the different mixed game formats, uh, which I really enjoy playing during the World Series. It's why I love the World Series because of the mixed game formats. It is so weird, Daniel, how your game is so streaky that when you have a result, you have a string of results. You very rarely have big scores in isolation. Really true. Surprised you knew that, but I, I've always been a streaky player. You know, I don't know what it is, uh, maybe a little bit of confidence. I think overall it's just patience. You know, if you make the final tables pretty regularly, you're like, okay, I'm going to get there. Just relax. Everything's fine. No need to do anything stupid or crazy. Just play your game and you'll, and you'll be fine. So maybe a little bit of that helps to... Uh, keep the ball rolling now matt and i were just saying before you joined us that there are always controversies at the world series of poker let's deal with controversy number one i mentioned the fact that you are gunning for wsop player of the year you've voiced some concerns shall we say about how that's being calculated this year yeah well they change the system so it's an roi based system and you know they have every right to change it and like make the smaller events count for more and it was probably needed because the high buy-ins were probably too heavily weighted However, you know, lots of people feel like they've gone too far with it. Like David Bach, for example, has two bracelets. He's not in the top 20 in the World Series Poker Player of the Year. My, my main beef was the way they calculated the points for the tag team event. I was supposed to get 85 or 86 points, and I only got 26 points. A min cash in Colossus got you 35 points, and a third place finish in a 10K no limit got me 26. So that didn't seem to add up right. And I, I explained to them their error. I don't expect them to change it, but they, they clearly made an error in the way that they calculated my score for that event, which could be costly in the end, but I'm just going to put it behind me and do my best to keep chugging along and then try to win the player of the year for the third time. That's so weird because we were just talking about David Buck's results. Here's a guy who's won the 10K Horse Championship and another bracelet within a 10-day period. You say he's not even in the top 20? Yeah. He won both horse bracelets. He won the 1500 horse and the 10K horse, and he's not in the top 20. Um, you know, 
basically, if you win the Colossus and versus what he did with the 10, you'd have to win three 10K bracelets to get close to matching a win in the Colossus. Wow. That is insane. Um, let's talk about controversy number two. Now, I have to ask my colleague, Matt Broughton, are mm-hmm. you aware of what happened to Matt Glantz? I am not. Tell me more. So my understanding, Daniel, and I don't know whether you've seen the story behind this hand, is that Matt Glantz was involved in a, in a hand against this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy opens, Matt Glantz, three bets, and the guy basically takes all his chips in two fists, moves them forward, mm. and holds them there, at which point Matt Glantz says, I call assuming the guy's all in, and flips his hand over, at which point the guy brings his chips back and says, no, I'm I'm not all in. And the ruling that was made is that the chips didn't touch the felt, therefore it's not an all-in bet. Wow. Because, and again, Daniel, you're going to be across from this much better than I am, there's no forward motion rule at the World Series? Yeah. I was actually there, and what do you know? I got video. Hey. <laughs> I, I was like, I got video of Matt arguing his case. I, we didn't end up using it in the vlog because it was, it was controversy, as you said. But um, it seems like the guy in question that did this is well known as a shot taker and an angle shooter. So it's really unfortunate that he gets rewarded for shooting an angle. I mean, ultimately, it's a player's responsibility to be clear on what the action is before he makes his action, right? So Matt understands that. Having said that, you know, once uh, there should be some sort of forward motion rule in a case like that where a guy clearly has the intention of betting, sees that he's going to be called, and then says, nope, that's like what old school Puggy Pearson used to do. He would put his hand all the way out. <laughs> he would take his elbow, use his elbow to check the table. He would just knuckle with his elbow and go, I'm not betting. Okay. It's a weird one as well, Daniel, because even if it's not in writing that there is a forward motion rule, again, that classic ruling in the best interest of the game or a particular situation, you'd think that your natural instinct would be, well, the intent is clear. Yeah. My biggest frustration by far with the World Series of Poker, uh, floor staff, and you know, good guys or whatever it comes from the top, is the way in which they enforce penalties. It's my my beef, my bone to pick with all tours, really. Yeah. In that they should use more common sense in these types of situations. Um, penalties shouldn't be the first go-to. You should always go with the warning system. Penalties should be issued only in extreme cases. In situations like this, when it's clear what happened. Floor men should have enough leeway where they can just look at the situation, use common sense, and make the correct ruling. So did nothing come of this? There was no penalty whatsoever? Oh, it gets better. No penalty. If anyone is penalised, it's Matt Glantz, because they rule that the guy has called Glantz's three bet, and Matt Glantz now has to play the hand on the flop with his cards face up. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, Um, poker. The final controversy... I wanted to discuss with you, Daniel, is the one thing that has just been dominating my Twitter feed from poker players who are in Las Vegas this summer is conversations about marked cards or scuffed decks. Good news there. We did have probably the first week or so cards that, you know, the same company, but they gave this was like a cheaper version of the card. The good news is those cards have been switched out. So the new cards that we've been using are just as good as the ones last year. So that controversy has been addressed. But yeah, it is a really big deal. Like even when you see Doyle Brunson chiming in saying this is disgraceful, you know, you've, uh, you know, rung the bell of like poker gods. You know, like something needs to be done. And, and luckily they did correct that situation, but they should for sure, like test these cards out a month before they start using them because it's just not right to be playing with cards that are so easily marked. I love the fact that the litmus test now for whether something is acceptable or not is whether Doyle agrees. That like he's kind of sat in the corner and you just go, Doyle, and he nods. And that's it. It's gone too far. Doyle just nodded. 
<laughs> so I wanted to ask Daniel, so are you aware of how many weeks in you are and how many weeks you've still got left? Or are you just living day by day until someone says stop turning up? Well, luckily, because I'm doing the vlog, I can tell you what day it is. <laughs> oh, okay. So you have a frame of reference that keeps you grounded. I do. Day 21, and I, I started day one totally clean shaven. And, uh, you know, and I, my plan is to shave after every bracelet win. So I've been close to shaving, but the full beard is back, and uh, I might actually have to get back to the beard oil if I don't win one tomorrow. Wow. So it really was a close shave when you got heads up. Unbelievable. Thank you for making that so actual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want to ask you a few questions about the vlogs themselves, actually, Daniel. And I noticed that, obviously, they've been carried on the uh, Pokestars YouTube channel as well, if anyone hasn't checked them out already. I noticed that you are really getting down with this whole clickbait thing. The promise of twerking, for example, <laughs> which made people watch 17 minutes of Daniel talking, followed by 10 seconds of twerking. <laughs> well, yeah, we have fun with the titles, you know. <laughs> keep them fresh, try to keep them unique, obviously. You know, there was one with my you know, with Marissa. You know, we used the thumbnail of her bringing me, you know, a stack of pancakes, and it says like building a living my dream life, building stacks in the Omaha, right? So it's been fun to try to you know mix with them. But honestly, the ones I think that most people respond to are ones where it says add another final table. I think people really that watch the vlogs are excited about the poker content that they get behind the scenes looks at different things that they would never see um, on a typical broadcast. I mean, you're putting out so much content now. You've got the podcast, and thank you for not doing an episode in a while because I think it's actually really helping our numbers. <laughs> um, but obviously, you've done the video blogs as well. You've done kind of hand analysis on your YouTube channel. Um, you really seem to be upping the amount of stuff that Brand Negrano is across. No question. One of my goals every January, I write a, you know, a list of goals in my blog, and I change the way I phrase a lot of things. And one of the things I said I was going to do, I was committed to, was creating a lot more content than I had been in the past because there's just so many different ways in which you can connect with fans today. Um, it's really evolved. Obviously, you know, Jason Somerville is like the king of Twitch and that's not something I have the time for, but, uh, you know, with YouTube, it's just a really good opportunity. And I've been doing YouTube, what, five, six years ago. I've been yeah. doing videos and hand breakdowns. This isn't new for me. It's an updated version of it. I did video diaries, like it's 2004 World Series of Poker. They just weren't as cool as, you know, the Andrew Nimi type vlogs that sort of have developed today where you kind of like you know it's a little more like living in the dream you know so mm -hmm. i've enjoyed it um i have a team of people helping me with this and that and i you know i plan to continue to see what i can do to help grow the game to a wider audience by giving them insight that uh, they might not get elsewhere yeah i mean obviously i'm sure the fans appreciate it is there any point though where you think and i guess this comes back to my original question in doing this does it distract you does it take mental attention away from playing the game of poker you know if anything you know like i think for most people the answer would be yes but for me i think it has the opposite effect where it actually i feel more accountable for what i'm doing for what i'm buying into for every event that i play like giving it my all like i don't want to end a vlog saying yeah i blew that when i screwed up because i'm tired and i made a mistake and i'm not really focused and i don't really care no i mean i have a, a people following me on this journey who care about the journey they want me to win and i'm gonna give it my all for myself and for them too i'm not gonna like give a half staff effort i'm gonna give it my all and i think if anything having it all on camera and documented um inspires me to play better and more focused well let's flip it around the other way then can you ever see a situation where you become the poker media guy that you just want to do podcasts vlogs hand breakdowns like desk analysis on live streams and tv shows and actually be a poker media guy rather than a poker player 
Never. Ever. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll always be a player first. Like, the World Series of Poker is something I plan to grind as long as I'm physically able to. Um, and, of course, I still come to the EPT, or, I'm sorry, the now the Poker Stars Championships in Barcelona and Bahamas and Monte Carlo. Like, I'll always be doing that. I don't see any, you know, end to that. But in addition to that, um, I do think that I'm in a unique, unique position to offer more than just what I do as a player. Cool. Now, obviously, before we let you go, Daniel, there's a few things I want to check in with you about, and that is generally regarding movies and TV shows. And I know that during the World Series, you're probably not watching a lot of stuff. But in the last few weeks and last few months, what have been the TV shows and movies that you've been enjoying? Because we agree on so much, but when it comes to popular culture, we get we really get into it. We often have a lot of disagreements about TV and film. Well, the movie that, you know, obviously during the World Series, I watch all the Rocky films. But... Um one movie that I watched before that, which I think you might have, you, you might just hate this movie because it's really cheesy, really like ridiculous. It's, it was called The Dog's Purpose. I loved it. it I was don't cheesy. think I've actually seen it. I loved it. There was a lot of controversy around the film because there was, you know, people claiming that there were, you know, the animals were being abused and stuff, which it was all bogus. It was all not true. Um, a really cute movie about a dog who gets reincarnated into different dogs. A uh, very, very sweet story. It's one of those gushy Hollywood films that make you make you know make you touch and for me personally the movie meant a lot to me because I just lost my dog Mushu and it really inspired me to maybe want to get another dog after the World Series. Oh, what about TV? Because um, Game of Thrones, of course, would normally have been on by now, but we've actually still got like three or four weeks to wait. Yeah, the Game of Thrones is definitely the one we're looking to. House of Cards was just released, but I haven't watched an episode. I also have Billions on backup, which I haven't watched any of. Oh, Billions um, is good. You'll enjoy that. Yeah, the first season I felt started a little bit slow. Um, you know, it got better the last couple episodes, but I'm looking forward to just binging the second season at some point. But House of Cards will probably be first on my list um, after Game of Thrones. Um, but other than that, what is I was I watched Homeland because I, I really enjoy that series. But uh, other than that, I mean, I watch a lot of like you know John Oliver on HBO and uh, and shows like that. I think the big question that a lot of our listeners would love to know is what do you think about the remake of RoboCop? <laughs> No one is asking that question apart from Matt Brown. <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I watched RoboCop many times. Like it's I had an the awesome DVD. film. I had the VHS, pardon me, and I would watch it like all the time. I loved it. I, I had I had RoboCop on Betamax. Wow. That's how big a fan I was. <laughs> um, now, Daniel, normally we would conclude an interview on Poker in the Ears with one of Joe Stapleton's dumb games, but obviously Joe Stapleton is not here. So we will allow you to chill out, go to bed early, and get yourself refreshed and back in action. What will be the next event that you play? Well, I'm still in the 10K limit hold'em. There with a hunt with 14 players left. I'm uh, in sixth place, so. That's going to be what I'm playing tomorrow, and that's the only thing because I'm going to win it. Yes. Loving the positive thinking. Daniel, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the World Series, and obviously we look forward to catching up with you again in Barcelona at the uh, PokerStars Championship. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. I think it's going to be a great event. Adventures in Online Poker. Our thanks once again to Daniel Negreanu as we launch into analysis, retrospective chat about Monday nights with Matt. That wasn't meant to rhyme, it just kind of happened that way. Um, so these are your Twitch streams, Matt, that you yep. do on the Poker School Online Twitch channel. Yep. And as you've mentioned previously, you've been exploring not new games 
for you, but I guess variants of poker that many of the people watching the streams and many of the people who've signed up to PSO haven't experienced yet. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's become a bit of a joke, but I've always been a bit of a champion of the less known games because I I got into poker not because I love the gamble of it, not, not for any other reason than I've always loved games. I love board games and video games and card games. And that's what poker struck me as. And of course, just because I learned Omaha and then Hold'em, I wasn't going to stop there. So I went through a period of just trying everything out and then mixed games became very popular in the big tournaments with the, you know, the big eights and the horse. And I fell in love mostly with the likes of Badoogie and Raz and some of the draw games and some of the stud games. So when they invited me to join the uh, the twitching team for Poker School Online, I just thought, well, everyone here is pretty much doing Hold'em and that's great. But it seemed like a waste of an evening and a waste of an opportunity to try and get some people to fall in love with these games the way I kind of had. Yeah. And so, so far, the, the format we've done, and, and in case you, you've not been listening to me, listen to me now, 7 p.m. UK time every Monday night on uh, twitch.tv slash pokerschool online. And we started with Raz and the format is one week we'll play cash. Half the show is play money, then we move to the real money. And then the following week, we have a home game tournament so that everyone can really put to, to test those skills. And we started with Raz. And then finally, we got to Badoogie. The latest installment was do seven triple draw. But the Badoogie was the big one for me because it's the game I always go on about. And the problem I'm encountering is this strange phenomena where I have a bunch of people that have never played a game. I explain it to them and then I take them on and they kick the shit out of me. Like... <laughs> I run so bad on these Twitch streams. And you know what it's like? It, it's it's a bit like when Daniel's saying, you know, because of making the vlogs, he feels like accountable. Yeah. And it's the same thing as if I just fired up some Badoogie, I would just take the bad beats. And if you run bad and you just can't hit that final draw. But to do it when everyone is watching you and you're kind of being presented as the guy that's out, I'm going to teach you how to play. And people are going, I've never played this before. And just killing me. And it's become a kind of a running theme. But... The good news for me is every little comment that says, oh, this is really good, I think I'll play some more of this. And that's really all I want is I just want to know that when I leave the tables, people will stick around and give it a go. And and even I'm getting either through Twitter or just people using the, the Post School Online forum, which is quite a decent thing to take a look at, um, people just saying, thanks, I would never in a million years have bothered to look at something like do seven triple draw, but because we approach it in quite a simple, easy-peasy, friendly fashion... Yeah is that everyone just gets to blow their play chips working it out. But you really do sense, like with most poker variants, in the space of 60 minutes, the guys that you had down as being pretty monkey playing are starting to actually get tight and show some good hands, and I'll be bringing up the hand histories. I end up playing so badly, I'm entirely reliant on the hand histories of the other players. <laughs> and we will swamp a table, so we sat on a real money table, and there was, I felt a bit like when you and a bunch of mates go to Vegas and you sit at a cash table and there was one guy who wasn't part of the gang and we're all chatting and there was this one going, going what, what, what's happening? What, what's happening here? And I'm giving away prizes and everyone's like, I, I just don't know what's happening. So it was good fun, but I did have to bring up the hand histories of these new players to explain some of the strategies going on. Sure. I mean, that whole idea that you might enthuse someone about a game or yeah. really pique their interest or they may now start playing that game more, that is exactly what it's all about. In microcosm, like when you're teaching a group of people to play poker and one of them not only just gets it but also really loves it and you can sense that this is something they want to tell their friends about, yeah. this is something they want to play at home, that is 
what it's all about. It is. It's like you recommend the Sting, and you love the fact that I love it. And it's like anything is that if there's something that you have a passion for, it's not enough that you enjoy the passion. You really want to say, look, give this a go. And people are forced into it because if they're tuned into me on a Monday night, this is the only game we're playing. So either join in or or get out and, and it's been really well embraced I get the impression that you were forced into doing Deuce to 7 triple draw low ball because you don't seem to have enjoyed it no do you know what the truth of it is I it's one of the mixed games I just hadn't played in a long while um, and and to be honest I was I have a bunch of prizes there's something going on actually and I advise people look it up there's this school pass boost and it goes on till the end of July and there are bunches every single day these free rolls they're either $20 added or $50 added they're brilliant for the beginner players but I had been given unlimited tickets to give away and I said well anyone that gets the nuts do 3 4 5 7 We'll get one of these tickets. I ended up giving about 18 of these things out because just everyone was just hitting the nuts. It was like somebody had just been gifted from above. <laughs> and I just spent the whole night being bad beat and giving out these tickets. And at the, honestly, at the end of the night, I shut down the laptop. I had to go and lie down for a minute. It was quite, it was quite a beating. <laughs> um, it is really good to experience games beyond Hold'em. And it's great to introduce those variants in home games. It makes a game with your mates so much more exciting if you're playing different versions and not yeah. just hold them all the time yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when is the next episode is this continuing during the summer months yeah, while as, the podcast is on hiatus yeah yeah we carry on every single Monday night 7pm as I say twitch.tv slash pokerschool online you can follow them on twitter as well it's pokerstars PSO um, but there's a lot going on and there's a there's like a mini series going on there's leagues going on as I say, I feel a bit ashamed that it took for me to be properly involved with them to really take a look at what the school does, but it's very good. Sure. Just one quick thing before we get to our superfan who's hanging on the line. Uh, while we're discussing online poker, don't forget the road to Barcelona continues for the rest of the month of June into the first week of July. So many ways to qualify for the PokerStars Championship event, which is likely to be huge. The tournament in Barcelona, the festival in Barcelona is always massive. And we had last Sunday the first of the ultimate satellites there is another one on sunday the 2nd of july so much value here 215 euros to play 50 packages guaranteed and in addition to that there are satellites into satellites there are spin and goes really want to see as many of you as possible i remember that when we started doing the podcast map back in spring of 2015 joe and i said our objective was to get one podcast listener to come to an event and we've now had several yeah we've had players who you know were kind of just kind of casual players on stars who would like watch the streams, listen to the podcast, watch the TV shows, fired up a spin and go, want to see. And obviously we had Richard who was in the Bahamas, who was our super fan yeah. on location this year. So we'd really love to see as many of you as possible come to Barcelona. Okay. Um, this is going to be weird. <laughs> super fan versus James Hartigan. Um, Yes, obviously a bit different this week. Uh, Matthew Broughton, as you are the Darth Vader of the Master Fader, can we please have some pre-recorded applause for this week's guest, this week's superfan from Cambridge in the United Kingdom, Mr. Jack McCurdy. Welcome, Jack. Hello, guys. Thank you. So, Jack, as you probably realised, um, we are missing Joe Stapleton this week. Um, I'd love to tell you what's happened to him, but we just don't know. Uh, that does mean that Superfan vs. Stapes has been rebranded, um, now, bear in mind, I have not seen the movie Top Gun since 1988. 
But I'm pretty sure, and Matt, you've got my back here. Yeah. Had Joe rewatched it in the last seven days as research, I'm still pretty sure my memory of the movie would be stronger than his. Yeah, I've got a feeling, unless Joe was actually watching the film while doing the super fan quiz, that James is probably going to give you a, a bit of a run for your money. So let me ask you. In fact, let's do the Joe thing. So uh, who's your daddy and what does he do, Jack? Uh, my dad's called Nigel, um, and he works in local government. Okay, and what about yourself? What's your story? Um, well, I work in recruitment um, for a global recruitment company, um, and I actually only really picked up poker about four months ago, so okay. um, really enjoying it. What brought you to the game? How did you discover it? Um, one of my work colleagues actually um, said, oh, do you play poker? And I was just like, yeah, I play with cousins a bit and what have you. And then we started going to a home game here that actually runs every night um, at a sports bar um, and kind of been at least once a week since for the last four months and it's kind of gro- gone on. So these, these are the golden times. This is when you're still in love with the game and you're trying <laughs> to buy your own chips and you haven't become jaded and not quite enough bad beats have kicked you around the chops yet. Enjoy these good times, Jack. I will. <laughs> now, Jack, you applied to be last week's Superfan when we did our Casino Royale special. Uh, I'm sorry you didn't get the opportunity to take part in that quiz and were gazumped by someone who let us down. However, we have rolled over the prize from last week, so you are going to be playing for a €109 Euro PokeStars Championship Barcelona satellite ticket. Hopefully, we are going to give you the chance to qualify for the next stop on our global tour. Um, now, Jack, you've chosen as your own specialist subject the movie Top Gun. Uh, is this a film that you've seen hundreds and hundreds of times? Is it a personal favourite? Um, it's the first film I ever remember watching um, from when I was about seven years old with my dad. And yes, probably hundreds upon hundreds of times. So we'll see. <laughs> I'll set myself up to feel here. So I think we'll you're at a distinct advantage. I'm not going to lie. I don't know the movie that well. Um, as I mentioned, 1988 was the last time I watched it, which was also the first time I watched it when I was at an RAF cadets camp <laughs> in East Anglia. Actually, not too far from where you are now, Jack. I actually flew a chipmunk over Cambridge. Wow. And as part of the kind of relief from the full metal jacket experience of sleeping in dorms, being shouted at by NCOs, marched across the parade ground and doing night exercises, they screened Top Gun, possibly to enthuse us about being pilots (laughs) and kind of make it look like the military life was a wonderfully glorious thing to do. Um, And I have to be honest, I enjoyed the movie and my loins certainly stirred at the point that Kelly McGillis got it on with Tom Cruise. Um, (laughs) But apart from a few small scenes and a few details, I think I'm going to be pretty bad. So I'm just thinking, if you watched this when you were seven and you watched this with your dad, surely the Kelly McGillis... uh scene must have been slightly awkward or, or did you somehow get through it um i think my eyes had been covered quite swiftly right. i think he forgot that scene was in it <laughs> ah, brilliant okay well look let's take this to the danger zone danger zone <laughs> brilliant i will i will play scorekeeper matt i promise to be fair jack i promise to be fair yeah i'll keep an eye on him don't worry okay well let's get this going <laughs> right first firstly there's an opportunity for both of you to potentially get four points on the board as we do matt brown's quick fire call sign round i Go am going to give you uh, both will take it in turns i'm going to give you the name of an actor and you've got to tell me what the call sign of that actor was for their character in the movie. There are eight to pick from. Jack, you get to go fast, uh, first. Pick a number between one and eight. Uh, one. One. John Stockwell is the actor. What's the call sign? Um, 
I just, called, I just caught James looking slightly at my piece of paper there. My you... eyesight is not that good. I don't have bionic eyes like you. I can't read that font. It's too small. Okay, sorry, Jack. I missed your answer. Uh, it was a Wolfman. I'm afraid it was not oh. Wolfman. And I'm not... I, I, I don't think I'm going to let, let Steels go on this one. Okay, James, a number between two and eight. Uh, three. Tom Skerritt. Uh, Wolfman. No, I'm afraid uh, that was Viper. Cougar was the first one, if I didn't say. Okay, another number, please, Jack. Uh, five. Five. Val Kilmer. Oh, come on. Some are going to be... You know, it's random. Some are easy, some are not so. <laughs> I think I heard Iceman in there. Yes, you're absolutely right. Okay, James, another number. Seven. Seven. Anthony Edwards. Goose! See? Tight it's, game. It's all fair. Okay, back to you, Jack. You can have two, four, six, or eight. Uh, eight. Whip Hubley. Uh, Hollywood. Oh, I pressed the wrong button. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> so I was so sure you wouldn't get it. Hollywood is correct. Uh, James, uh, two, four, or six? Two. Rick Rosovich. Wolfman. <laughs> so keep saying Wolfman. No. Um, I can tell you, just in case it helps, Wolfman isn't going to be one of the Okay, answers. that's that good one, to know. That was Slider. Okay, back to you, Jack. Four or six? Mm, Slider. Uh, four. Four. Michael Ironside. Um, Jester. Richter. Oh, wrong movie. <laughs> okay, and your final one is James Kelly McGillis. Did she have a call sign? She did have a call sign. Thighs. Wasn't, wasn't Wolfman or Thighs. It was Charlie. Okay, so after the quick fire round, where do we find ourselves? 3 1 to Jack. 3 1. Okay, this is a good start. Right, back into the wrong ones. Some of these are multiple choice, and there'll be two points if you just nail it, one point if you go for the multiple choice. We'll start with Jack. A number between 1 and 10, please, Jack. Uh, ten. You can see I had a lot of faith that Joe, Joe was going to watch this so that I could like totally randomise these questions. Why did you think for one second he would watch the movie? I don't know because it's. I thought it might be a fun enough film that he could be bothered. Okay, Jack. According to the opening detail, what do the Navy officially call Top Gun? Two points to just uh, hit the answer, or you can take the uh, multiple choice. Uh, Naval Fighter Weapons School. It's Fighter Weapons School, but I think I'm going to give you that for the two points. Yes. Well done. There's a bonus here. In what year was Top Gun established? Oh, 74. I don't know. You can steal this, James. No, no idea from James. It's 1969. Okay, James, number between one and nine, please. Uh, let's go with seven. Seven, always coming seven. The film starts with an engagement over the Indian Ocean. What four, four pilots are involved? Just need the call signs here, so you can just rattle off random ones. Okay, Maverick. Correct. Iceman. Wrong. Um, does Goose count? Goose does count. You've got one point. Um, Wolfman. Right, no, it was Maverick, Goose, Cougar and Merlin. There's a bonus here. But I get a point, right? You get one point because uh, you got half. What enemy aircraft do they find themselves up against? MiGs. Gonna need a little bit more than that. MiG 21s. Oh, it was uh, MiG 28, I'm afraid. And a bonus bonus what's the aircraft flown by the Top Gun students? F 4s. I'm afraid it was F 14s. <sighs> okay, back to you, uh, Jack. A uh, number from one to nine, not eight. Two. Two. As Commander Tom Stinger Jardian sends Maverick and Goose off to Top Gun, he warns them not to screw up or else they'll be flying what? 
Uh, a rubber plane full of dog shit onto Hong Kong. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a rubber plane? A, right. A rubber plane? A uh, plane full of rubber dog shit. <laughs> that's uh, that one I'll give you. It was actually a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. Correct. You get your two points there. As a bonus, the actor portraying Stinger, James Tolkien, appeared in a smash hit film the year before Top Gun that might have led to a different call sign beginning with S. What the F am I talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, do you know the actor I'm talking about? Um, I, I, I know that he's bald. <laughs> he's bald? You'd never seen him in the other films? No, I don't remember. Do you know who I'm talking about, James? No, I don't. Okay, he was actually also... Uh, he was in Back to the Future. He was, of course, the teacher who called everyone a slacker. Ah. Okay, not to worry. That one clearly failed. Right, okay, James, mm. uh, pick me a number. Uh, three, please. Okay, as the film begins, the stars fly in around the Paramount Pictures logo and we hear the first sound of the film. What is the first sound of the film? Multiple choice available if you need it. A jet engine. It is not a jet engine. And I can, I can pass this over for a steal. You can either go for two points or you can take the multiple choice for one point here, Jack. Go for it. No guts, no glory. Um, so I'm in the Top Gun frame of mind. Nice. Is it, is it the first chime of the Top Gun anthem? It is. It is the electronic yes. drums of Danger Zone. Wow. D uh, Danger Zone? So he steals two points there, Danger right? Zone. He does steal two points. Didn't even take the, uh, the multiple choice. That's nine points to Jack. I have two points. I'm, I thought I might put up a, 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 an egg here. So. I think you've probably got at least one more than Joe would have had at this point. Okay, <laughs> uh, a number, please, James. I think it's Jack's question, because he just stole. You are absolutely right, Jack. Good job, James. Um, five. Five, okay. Have you had No, we haven't had five. Right. With the death of Goose, which two other pilots fly as Maverick's rears? Um, Sundowner? Yes. Uh, and Merlin, maybe? Correct. Two He's points. Good. Wow. And there's a bonus on this as well. And this I only found out for the first time having watched it the other day. What's Goose's full name? Uh, Nick Bradshaw. Correct. Bloody wow, hell. That point. was a one point of points. I mean, it's, yeah. it's academic, to be honest. I'm not just giving Sorry, two James. points. <laughs> All right, James, uh, one, four, six, eight, nine. 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 Okay, hang on. I need, I need to get my beep ready for this. Okay. Oh, you're never going to know this. As Maverick considers quitting, Viper talks to him about his options. Can you fill in the blank from this quote? I'm not going to sit here and blow up your ass, Lieutenant. Or Lieutenant, as they say. Smoke? It isn't smoke. It was sunshine, I'm afraid. Oh. I thought, go for the obvious. Well, that's why I put it in there. Uh, okay, back to you then, Jack. Uh, one, four, six, or eight? Uh, one. Take me to bed or lose me forever, shouts Goose's Mrs. Carol in one of the many quotable lines from Top Gun. But what does Goose shout out in return? Show me the way home, honey. Absolutely correct. <laughs> good Lord. Man, alive. Two points. And there's another bonus on this one. Man, you're picking all the good bonus ones. What did I only notice for the first time on my latest viewing is Goose's kind of catchphrase. Oh. Aha. Uh -huh. No. James, no. He it's actually Great Balls of Fire. I knew that he sang it oh, at the piano, but he actually shouts it two other times. And for me, that's enough to consider it to be a catchphrase. Right. Just I do know that his wife was played by Meg Ryan. Um, you're absolutely correct. Give yourself a point. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and this is your question. It indeed. is. I'll take um, four. Four. 
before. OK. Maverick turns up for his dinner date with Charlie. What slightly unusual thing does he announce he plans to do as soon as he arrives? Multiple choices available. I'll take the multiple choice. OK. Does he announce that he's going to get wasted, drive back to base in just his boxers, treat Charlie to a king-size prawn ring, or take a quick shower? As much as I want it to be the prawn ring, I'm going to say it's he's going to take a quick shower. That's absolutely correct for one point. There's a bonus here. He's late for this date. What time should he arrive? Sorry, should he have arrived according to Charlie's note? Uh, 7.30. 5.30. Very early. Oh, of course, it's the military. They the eat military. at ridiculous times. Like old people. Right. This will be your last question then, uh, Jack. You got a six or eight? Eight. Uh, Eight is. Okay, entering the bar at Miramar, Goose and Maverick invoke a regular wager that results in the painful you've lost that loving feeling karaoke moment. <laughs> what are the details of the wager? I need the amount and the specifics. Um, the amount's $20. Uh, carnal knowledge of a girl on the premises. Of a lady on the premises, but that is oh, going to that is going to win you. Too. Hell. Right. Okay, and this is James's last... How are the scores looking? Just just, just get to the last right. round, and then okay. I'll tell you the scores at the end. <laughs> I just thought I could possibly put more points into this one. You're going to need to put, like, 11 points in for right. it to even be close. Okay, Maverick just loves buzzing the control towers with flybys, but often gets knocked back. Can you complete this communication? Negative. Rider, the is full. No idea. Okay, Jack. Uh, Ghost Rider and Pattern. Yes, negative Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. Oh. I think we can say that this has been a pretty emphatic win. I still maintain <laughs> the result would not have been any different had it been Joe Stapleton answering my questions. Uh, the final score by my calculations, Jack, is that you scored 18. <laughs> Uh, I did get four, including Matt's pity point for knowing that Meg Ryan played Goose's wife. I couldn't actually name the character. Uh, but congratulations, Jack, because you do seal the deal. You win that €109 Euro Barcelona satellite ticket and, of course, the much-coveted Everyone Loves a Chop Pot Hoodie. Congrats. Well done, mate. Well done. Good job. Thank you very much for coming on the show, sir. Cheers, James. Cheers, Matt. See you, mate. Have a good one. Cheers. Bye-bye. And that's your lot. That's it, kids. We're done, not just for this show, but for the next six weeks. We're going on summer vacation. Uh, but make a note in your diaries to come back and see us in six weeks. When we will return, you can expect to hear from a new member of the PokerStars team. You can also expect to hear about a new audio series coming soon to the PokerStars VIP store. That sounds intriguing. Yeah, it should be a fun show and obviously we'll be building up to the start of another cycle of live events. The PokerStars Championship Barcelona is in August. We're back in August. If I do the calculations, Matt, I think it's like the 9th or 10th. I think we record on the 9th. That means the podcast will be out on the 10th of August. So I'm sorry you've now got six weeks without us. But we've got things to do, places to go, people to see, families to actually spend some time with. I mean, these shins aren't going to burn themselves, put it that way. So I'm going to get out in the garden and get some rays right on this. And in all seriousness, we do hope that Joe is okay. And hopefully he is back with us when we return in six weeks' time. Um, is this the point where we ask the audience to sniff us or something? Uh, no, I think on behalf of myself, James Hartigan, and hopefully Joe Stapleton, smell you later. 